This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning. A passion is now a thriving business, and it shows no signs of slowing down. How? The power of a conversation, like the one Clint Spiegel had with First Horizon Bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. Now it's not just talk, it's rubber meets road. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Clint. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. What's up, everyone? Welcome into the Punt and Pass podcast. I'm your host, Drew Butler, joined once again by my awesome co-host. I said it last week, I'll say it again. My awesome co-host, SEC football legend, CBS Sports Network analyst, Aaron Murray. Aaron, what's up, dude? Good. How you doing today? I'm good. I'm doing very, very well. Thank you. I'm doing very well. I've got an event to go to tonight. I'm dressed up. I think I, I, think I look handsome, but I'll leave that for others to decide. A big weekend for you, I my man. You look- A lot of people saw you or heard about you when they were watching that Tennessee-Florida game. I believe you went down there and shadowed Brad Nessler and Gary Danielson, SEC on CBS. Yeah, I went down to a little shadow, and I was actually a little nervous. So middle of the game, they kind of uh, started dropping my name, little bread crumbles here and there. I was like, oh, man, I better get ready to go. I got to you know, get ready for my UF and Tennessee knowledge and kind of drop it on them a little bit. I was going to give a little hate, and, and luckily they didn't put me on TV because – I wasn't too ready, but it was it was awesome kind of learning from two of the best in the game and seeing those guys work and uh, how they use the telestrator, how they see the game, how they analyze it, what they're looking for, uh, their preparation the day before. So it was an awesome experience for me to kind of uh, see those, like I said, see the two of the best in the game kind of at work. Yeah, for sure. We're going to ask you a couple more questions about that later on in the show. But, man, we call it another, picked another three awesome games in week three across the SEC that Tennessee-Florida game lived up to the hype. Georgia took care of St- Sanford. Uh, Mississippi State, my God, blowing out LSU. I think we called that right here on the Punt and Pass podcast. And Kentucky beating South Carolina, we did not call that one. We'll touch on those games later on. We've got another good group of games coming up here week four. Georgia, a huge game this week between the hedges. Mississippi State comes in off that big win against LSU. Alabama, number one ranked Alabama, goes into Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt already saying, Alabama, you're next. Do not know what the hell that guy was thinking. We'll see if they can live up to the hype and maybe cover that 18.5 points that they're being given at home. Florida travels to Kentucky. Kentucky's undefeated. We'll see if they're for real. But, uh, yeah, dude, it's been kind of an interesting couple of weeks for you and I. You've been traveling all over the place. I thought it was really, really cool to see Nestler and Danielson shout you out on SEC, on CBS. I, I had a lot of people texting me saying they were talking about you. Now, could they not put you on TV? I thought if they put you on TV, they might have had to pay you. Is that probably what was going on there? Hey, listen, if I would have known that ahead of time, I kind of would have maybe snuck on there. I'm surprised uh, no one at home heard me. It was kind of late in the game, fourth quarter. Dormany threw a touchdown. Uh, to the tight end, and I kind of got a little too juiced up there in the box and gave a little <laughs> whoop, whoop. Did and, you really? Uh, I got, oh, yeah, I did. It was just reaction, and I got kind of – I got stared down from Gary like, what are you doing, man? We're on national TV right now. <laughs> I was like, this is the kind of passion you need, though. Dude, you got to be passionate from the box. So. It, see, it seemed like that atmosphere was just rocking and rolling. Uh, I mean, for being such an awful game, I mean, those first three quarters – you know, all we're up in the booth like, man, can someone please learn how to play some offense over here? Uh, and then they kind of had an explosion the fourth quarter and then obviously the Hail Mary to finish it off. But, yeah, it was it was hot. It was muggy. Uh, I remember I, I tweeted an Instagram some before the game about 
making the Georgia Florida game a home and away game yeah, instead of yeah. playing at Jacksonville all the time. I uh, got a lot of flack for that. Got a little bit of heat. A lot of people, you know, liking the idea. A lot of people saying that there's no chance that they're going down to the swamp to watch a game. And, and I can't blame them. I mean, it was absolutely miserable. <laughs> the heat, the humidity. I was sticky. It wasn't a good sight at all. But uh, I think it's still be fun. I'd like to get your opinion on that. The kind of home and away. I know Jacksonville is an awesome place to be. Um, and it's pretty awesome to see the split 50, 50. And, and I can't, a couple of people actually suggest why not do Jacksonville one year, Atlanta the other year, I yeah, think would be pretty yeah. fun as well. Yeah, I think that'd be cool. I mean, that's a discussion I think for higher powers that be that's above our pay grade, obviously, but I've never been to Gainesville. I've never been inside that stadium. I did not get recruited by Florida. Um, I have no desire to go there now, but let me tell you how I feel as a Georgia player and a Georgia fan Jacksonville not too kind to the dogs in recent history so I don't mind going home and home I think Florida fans would enjoy Athens I know Georgia fans would certainly take over Gainesville like they do every other town within driving distance so why not let's have an experimental period I like what you said try a home and home try a Jacksonville Atlanta mix it up hey help the dogs any way you can to get out of the rut that they are currently in in Jacksonville so Hanging out with Nestler and hanging out with Danielson, I mean, that's like an SEC football fan's dream. You get in Friday. Did you guys uh, go out to dinner and have a little fun? I mean, do they like to loosen up a little bit, or are they all serious, all business? Oh, oh Nestler brought the scotch real early Friday night, so, I mean, we had some fun. <laughs> I mean, it was work during the day, and, and you know, the, the whole process of interviewing the coaches and interviewing the players and and going over the boards for the game, kind of getting the, the prep set for Saturday afternoon, but, uh, it's nice. It's a big crew. I mean, the, the CBS, the main CBS crew that covers the three thirty game, they got about 70 guys on that crew. Uh, I mean, Allie, the force had like five assistants. So, I mean, she has people all over the field helping her out. So we had a nice little cookout, uh, at the hotel. There's not much How to many do. Assistants did in, you bring with you? I, it was just myself. I was an assistant. I was there to give as <laughs> oh, much that makes sense. help and advice as possible. But, uh, it was definitely a heck of a crew. So we sat out there on Friday night and and kind of had some drinks, cooked out, had some some chicken and, and burgers, and and uh, it was great kind of seeing those guys just let loose a little bit and and tell me uh, old stories about old games in the '80s and '90s and early 2000s and and even some of the games they remember me playing it was kind of cool that they kind of remembered seeing me play and the games and the great games, the bad games and and all that kind of stuff and them giving me flack about the the Georgia or Georgia Alabama SEC game and oh, and like, man you knew he was going to blitz off the edge I was like man it, things are happening so fast I had no idea he was coming off the edge and uh, so it was great those guys are awesome and, and like I said they're definitely pros they know what they're doing and for me that's something to kind of look forward to in the, in the future I guess that's a, a pro tip for anybody who wants to get into announcing if you want a voice like Brad Nessler just slam scotch Scotch and cigars. Scotch and Scotch cigars. Scotch and cigars. I yes. can I can certainly attest that is to the that. Key. Yeah, That's I'm awesome. all for it. I could do that. No question. Well, I think all of our fans and listeners know that you are on the fast track, my man. It's really cool to see you up in there. I was waiting for you to grab the mic and scream, punt and pass podcast, rate, review, subscribe out every Thursday on SEC <laughs> like 10 times in a row. I was close. You might have burned I, some I, bridges, I, but it could have been worth it. Yeah, I might have got uh, suspended for the rest of the season. But listen, it's all about the podcast, baby. <laughs> no CBS has to understand, you know, got to have priorities. No question. Yeah, dude. So, so I, you uh, have a good weekend, too, man. I heard you got a little uh, 
little trip to Detroit, the wedding, and all that good stuff. Yeah, you know, I had a big trip up, uh, up. well, originally for the weekend. I was not in South Bend. This was two weeks ago. I was not in South Bend. Uh, it comes into this past week, though. I was Jackie. My wife was in a, one of her best friend's wedding up in Connecticut. Gorgeous New England town. It was fantastic. Had a great time. Congrats, Maggie and Morgan. Shout out, Maggie and Morgan, the new the newlyweds who are currently in South Africa right now. Um, but wake up Sunday, go to brunch. Jackie and I are going to go into Boston, spend a little bit of time together. And I get a phone call. My phone starts blowing up. The Detroit Lions punter had got injured. This was week one of the NFL, and it looked pretty bad. So I get on the phone, uh, call my agent, Pat Dye, who's also your agent, Aaron. And uh, Pat gets in contact with the right people. And next thing I know, boom, I'm on a flight to Detroit from Boston Monday morning at 7 a.m. Had my cleats on me, always ready, always prepared, just like you know I am. Thought the workout went really well. They brought five punters in. We each kicked like 15 balls. That was it. They made a decision. They went with a guy named Jeff Locke. He used to play for the Vikings. So didn't get the Lions gig. It's still early in the season. I'm still ready and raring to go. So that was super interesting. A one-day trip to Detroit during my Boston jaunt. So Jackie was chilling in Boston, hanging by herself. Pretty interesting situation. But, dude, go back to Boston, Aaron. And we went to a Boston Red Sox game. You said you're calling a game at Fenway? Uh, yeah, I get year. to call a game. So I'm kind of uh, going to get some insight from you and our buddy, our buddy Arthur Lynch up there in Boston. And now going to call the Boston College UConn game. Uh, November 18th going to be a little chillier than it is now. So I'm going to be... Hopefully they got some heaters up in the booth because this southern boy doesn't like the cold. So we're gonna have to figure out a way to stay warm. But it's gonna be an awesome experience being up in in, in Fenway. Never been there. Oh, dude. We were talking earlier about you know I would let you tell everyone, but you got a pretty sweet experience. It I don't was, know if mine's gonna mine's gonna top yours. I don't think it's it gonna was happen. Crazy dude. And I'm a Chicago guy, born in Chicago, lived there for ten years. Obviously, I, I do not consider myself a Chicagoan, but love love Wrigley Field. Wrigleyville is awesome. Wrigley field is sweet this was my first trip to Fenway Park I'm going to name drop a little bit Drew Pomeranz their stud pitcher right now he's got 16 wins to date he's on fire he gave us tickets so we were like 25 rows behind home plate at Fenway it was just a perfect night the Red Sox kicked ass so much fun Uh, one of my wife's friends parents were there and they live in Boston they said hey heard you guys are here why don't you come up behind your section and we'll take you up with us. So we said, sure. We just wanted to go see them. Don't care where they sit. I don't care. I would have walked out of the stadium to say hello to these people. Well, we walk into the suite level at Fenway Park, get introduced to a couple people, come to figure we are in John Henry's box. John Henry is the principal owner of the Boston Red Sox, the owner of the Boston Globe, the owner of Liverpool Football Club. This dude's worth $2.2 bill, the B word. Met Sam. So he's a good, a good person to hang out with in Boston. I yeah, think. I felt bad. I was you, sitting, you I was sitting around. in front of him, like only I would, like an idiot. I was sitting yeah, in front of him in his own this. box. Uh, met Sam Kennedy, the president and CEO of Fenway Sports Management and the Red Sox. This dude was a stud, probably like forty-two years old. You know, just an ace businessman. It was so cool. And here's a funny part, Aaron. Uh, it was my first game at Fenway. So when Jackie and I were walking around. Earlier in the evening, these ticket people, like the ushers, were handing out little pins that are made for kids, and it says, like, my first game at Fenway with the mascot on it. So I was like, hey, it's my first game at Fenway, so he gave me one. So I walked into the owner's box, uh, a 28-year-old man having a kid's pin on, and he liked it. It might have been his idea. He was like, 
hey, man, I like your pin. I said, thank you very much. It's my first game at Fenway, baby. Listen, I, I hope you kind of worked some deals. Maybe got some uh, – they make the playoffs. Maybe we'll be flying up there to Boston for a game or two. It would be kind of sweet. Oh, so dude, yeah. You, I mean, better, you better work that, that Southern charm a little bit on them. No question. And then this past weekend uh, – yeah, so that was really, really, really cool. Anybody who's ever been to Fenway, tweet at us, Instagram us, at Punt and Pass. Let us know how that was. I think it's an awesome, awesome ballpark. We had a total blast, so that was really, really cool. Uh, this past weekend, Aaron, I got to go to my first Georgia game since 2014, so I was between the hedges. got to call the dogs with Musa Smith. Musa was a stud when I was in middle school, so that was really, really fun. Helped out with so you actually call, you called the dogs? Yeah, you dude, get, I was out there pregame. Carla Ooh, Williams, assistant athletic I did director. That, I did that last year. I, I think I kind of messed up a little bit calling was, the dogs. Uh, it wasn't too nerve-wracking, but me and Moose had fun with it, so that was cool. Um, got yeah. to stand on the field. Those guys look good, man. It's going to be a big-time game this weekend. But that is what's been happening. What are your plans for this upcoming weekend? I mean, what you got going on, dude? So I'm kind of pumped. First time uh, since the last year's Tennessee game for me, the uh, the Hail Mary game, uh, the, oh, the awful ending. Yeah, I was there for that. Oh, man. And I'm just seeing like, dude, the dude's boxing you out. Uh, and the biggest thing for me is, as a as a quarterback, the last thing you want when you're about to throw a Mary is pressure. You don't want four man rushes. You don't want a five man rush. You want you want a three man rush. You can kind of run around. Your job as a QB is to kind of not even look downfield. Your job is to look at the offensive defense line and say, all right, let me just buy some time. Let my guys get downfield. Uh, so when you rush three, you pretty much you go right to what the quarterback wants to give him time to throw the ball. And and obviously we did that. We gave him an opportunity to throw, which I hate. Uh, in my opinion, bring five, bring six, get the ball in the QB's hands as fast as you can uh, and then make them kind of win from that point. But, yeah, it was a tragedy. So I'm hoping this weekend will be a little bit better. Uh, I'm a little nervous. I know we're going to talk about this game a little bit later, but uh, the Mississippi State, the, what they did to LSU last week was pretty impressive uh, up there in Starkville. Yeah, there's no question, dude. And, and speaking about you being at that Tennessee-Georgia game a year ago, they say karma is a B word. And it certainly came back to bite Tennessee last weekend. That was a game that you and I both picked. We, I think we both picked Tennessee. Let me check my notes real quick. I know I picked Tennessee. Well, I know I picked Tennessee, yeah, too. And I made yeah. Butch Jones on the hottest seat in the well, nation. It was some of the worst play call. I got the seat up. I mean, some of the worst play calling I've ever seen from a coach. I mean, one, you're not trusting your quarterback. Uh, and two, you're inside. You're at the ball. You had the ball on the one yard line. First down. Your running back's probably one of the best running backs in the in in the conference. Has been having a stellar day. The passing game has been non-existent, and you decide to get in the shotgun and throw four passes, and and then and, and eventually throw an interception. I mean, if I'm him, I'm getting in a power eye. I'm bringing another tight end in, and I'm giving my work my workhorse the ball three four times, letting him score. So between that and, and just not throwing the ball or trusting Dormandy, I think. Honestly, I'm I'm with the Tennessee fans right now. I know there's a lot of hate going on, uh, and wanting him out, yeah. out of there. And, and I completely agree. That watching him uh, live for the first time, call a game, and his decision making, uh, you can't be an SEC coach and call that kind of game. No, that was that was awful. We said it last week. If he lost that game, his hot seat would reach volcanic levels. We both picked Tennessee plus five. I went over. You went under. So I was 0-2 that game. You were one and one. Now. The LSU-Mississippi State game, which is what everybody's taking notice of, and we'll mention this one before we jump into our week four games. LSU-Mississippi State game was super interesting. Um, I said the game would go under. You said the game would go over. 
man, I thought I picked Mississippi State because I was talking them up so much. I, I guess I went wrong. Did not go with my gut. I picked LSU minus seven. That's stupid of me because I was speaking about how good Mississippi State is, and especially at home. You picked this game over Mississippi State plus seven, so you were one and one on that game. But a lot of people talking about Mississippi State coming into Sanford Stadium this weekend because this is going to be a huge game for both teams, both undefeated in the S- going into SEC play. Yeah, first of all, let's just talk about LSU. I mean, a team, uh, they're young on defense. You know, I, I kind of, you know, looking at the doing my research last week, preparing for that Mississippi State LSU game, and you just look at a very young, inexperienced defense, and you look at a very one-dimensional offense. I mean, they they got Darius guys, yeah, great running back. But when when you can prepare and when you give Todd Grantham the opportunity just to load the box, so to kind of make you a one-dimensional team right there and make Danny Etling throw the ball. Uh, you're going to lose some games and LSU did get, if, if you can't get, like I said, if you can't get guys rolling and you're going to put the ball in and Danny at Link's hands, uh, that's a huge win for your opponent. And they were able to do that. And, and I think that's a recipe for disaster. And I think teams are now going to look at this game and say, you know, what did Mississippi state do? They yeah. loaded the box. They brought the pressure. They made Danny throw the ball and he, he obviously can, he went 13 of 29. So it, it's a t- it's gonna be a tough slide for this LSU team. Uh, very talented West. Uh, they still got to play Alabama. They still got to play Auburn. Uh, they got to play Florida, who really doesn't have an offense. But that uh, could be a very low scoring game as well. But this Mississippi State team right now, they're looking good. I think they're very dynamic on both sides of the ball, and it's gonna be a great game in Athens. It will be a great game. Um, you know, my biggest reservations are this. Before the season started, I said it right here on the Punt and Pass podcast. I said I have reservations about the hype around Matt Canada, the new offensive coordinator. I said this guy's not gonna reinvent the wheel. It just does not work that way. And he ha- certainly has not done that since. Guys got shut down. Etling was decent, but not the type of quarterback that can take it Decent. Over. He was 13 of 29. You I mean, take the game over if the run game they, ain't going, dude. You got to do something. But they don't have a pass things. game. They don't have a quarterback. And that's the thing that haunts that haunts LSU, that haunts Florida, is is how do you not recruit a quarterback? And and you could put the blame on the quarterback or the, the offensive coordinator, but it's his first year. It's a first-year offense for these guys. But they need to get a stud quarterback. And, yeah. and if I'm a quarterback being recruited, I'm going to be like, if you look at the track record – you know, why am I going to LSU? They haven't had a great quarterback in forever. I mean, they had Ben Berger who had a great year and they had a lot of talent that year in the receiver and running back position, but they just can't get a quarterback. And when you play a good defense who can load the box and, and have some big guys that you can't push over, you're going to lose those games in the SEC. And and that's what happened this past weekend. Yeah, they did. And guess what? Coach Orgeron, Ed Orgeron, the, the Cajun Ragin or whatever the hell he is, he's still not won a road game as an SEC head coach, and this is the second school he's been at. So, again, I hold my reservations on Mississippi State. Let's go ahead and get into that. We'll start our Week 4 slate, and I want to let everybody know our Week 4 slate includes a special guest former georgia center current center for the tennessee titans ben jones will be joining us he's from west alabama right around starkville mississippi so he'll talk to us about that game he'll talk to us about his nfl season he's got some special news on the home front and he's got quite a history with mississippi state so we'll cover that but aaron with that let's jump right into it week four three things about three games we're going to switch it up a little bit this week keep it light Keep it fun. Big game to start out with. Do you want to start with the Georgia game? I think we should, right? Yeah, might as well. I think it's the biggest game of the week. I was actually uh, with the CBS crew last week, and they were kind of 
I think we're all a little surprised. At least I was giving them some crap. I was like, man, you guys picked the Alabama at Vandy as the game of the week instead of Mississippi at Georgia. I mean, you probably have the best team in the East and maybe the number two team in the West going at it in Athens, Georgia. I mean, why don't you guys want to go to Athens and you're not giving us any love. And, and uh, I guess they want to give Vandy love. It's been a while since they've been in Nashville uh, to cover that team and, and they're rolling too. So you can't blame them too much for that one. Yeah. I'm sure it'll be really electric with a 40,000 seat stadium and 38,000 of those fans are Alabama. Fans oh yeah. Speaking. Definitely a, a great, great high school atmosphere going on in there in Vanderbilt. All right. So Mississippi state, you just said it coming off a huge win against LSU in Starkville last week, jumps into the top 25. They're the 17th ranked team in the nation. Georgia jumps up to number 11. So it's 17 ranked Mississippi State Bulldogs at number 11 ranked Georgia Bulldogs. The line right now, Georgia is a six and a half point favorite. I'll go ahead and start. I have reservations about Mississippi State's legitimacy. Is Nick Fitzgerald for real? Yes, he is for real. Has their defense looked good? Yes, against okay offenses. I don't think Mississippi State's going to come in here and just whoop up on Georgia. Now, am I saying Georgia's going to blow them out? No, but what I am saying right here before we get into our three things to know about this game, I think Georgia wins. I really do. I think it's another hallmark victory for Kirby Smart in year two, and I think the Bulldogs, the good guys in the red and black, come out on top. That's an unbiased view. What say you, quarterback Aaron Murray? Well, I think you, you want to talk about – Mississippi State and, and their lack of talent they've played in the first few games. And I want to point out, I mean, who is Georgia played? Uh, they played a Notre Dame team who I don't think is very good. Uh, and they, they did not 50 look too last week. They're not a great team, man. Who did who'd they play? Uh, Boston, Boston College? College on the road. Yeah, not a not a great team. Exactly. <laughs> I don't think Notre Dame's good. Obviously, the other games they played, uh, they've looked really good, but they haven't played a good team yet. They haven't played a good defense. And I think this is a Mississippi State team right now that's coming in hot. I, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of their quarterback. I'm a big, big, big fan of their coach, Dan Mullins. Uh, he recruited me back uh, in my high school days. And and honestly, I might have been a Florida Gator if he stayed there. Uh, oh, he wow. was an awesome breaking coach. News. Breaking, breaking news. news. I mean, podcast. Uh, I love you, Coach Bobo. And uh, <laughs> both both are great, great guys and great offensive coordinators. And and I'm just happy to see what Coach Mullins has been able to do at Mississippi State. I mean, the guy is awesome. He's had me into his uh, his lake house the past couple of years, uh, so he's been awesome. Coach Mullen has? Yeah, baby. He's up at Lake, uh, what is it, Lake Oconee. So we Jeez. go up there, go to the Ritz, picks me up in his boat. We go around a little bit hanging out. I mean, just a super family. Uh, great I'm sure people. he's a good like guy. I, said, I won't, I won't talk about him. I'm sure he's a good guy. But, and I, I'm seeing here, the over-under on this game's 49. So Mississippi State's offense looked good last week, scored 37 against LSU. But I think Georgia's defense makes the statement here, okay? What they did against Brandon Wimbush, who you just um, kind of downplayed, who's the quarterback, the dual-threat quarterback from Notre Dame, those outside linebackers, Davin Bellamy and Lorenzo Carter, they answered the bell. And if they can do that against Nick Fitzgerald, who has shown the ability to make plays with his arm and on his feet, I think Mississippi State's going to be in trouble. I really do. I would totally expect for Georgia's fan base to offer a huge home field advantage. And I think for the first time this season, Nick Fitzgerald will look like a decent quarterback, not one that's just lighting up the SEC week in and week out right now. Well, I definitely think he's a little bit better than the Notre Dame quarterback. I mean, he's a bigger kid. Uh, they have more talent surrounding him. Uh, they have a better offensive scheme. There's just a lot of 
things going right for Mississippi State. And I know I'm kind of just sounds like I'm just hating on Georgia. And, and you know, I really, really am liking what Georgia's done uh, in their first few weeks of football. But I just think there's still a lot of question marks on the offensive side of the football. Yes, they have a great defense. Yes, their defense is dominating. Uh, and it was a great for them to see a dual threat quarterback a couple weeks ago when facing Notre Dame. And they did a tremendous job of keeping him in line. But offensively, I'm just still not sold on this offense for Georgia. You know, what is their identity? What are they able to do? Uh, and who's their quarterback going to be? I mean, Eason's back this week practicing. He's back playing. practicing. And, and I don't think from in his first few weeks, he's he's flashed. But I don't think he's shown enough that he can go into a big time SEC game and can take over uh, and win, win you a big time ball game uh, versus an SEC opponent. So it's going to be a big test for him if he is the guy playing this weekend. Uh, it is a different type of ball game when you play these SEC games, and this is going to be his first one. It's going to be a big test. Yeah, and I don't think you have to overanalyze the game per se. I would look at one thing in particular. I'd look at Kirby Smart's track record against Dan Mullen as the defensive coordinator at Alabama when they played Mississippi State, and I would look at what these coaches are going to ask Jake Fromm to do they are going to tell the offensive line tomorrow or whenever on their work day and they're going to say we're coming to y'all you better answer the bell we're going to run the ball run the ball well i'm sure lsu did the same thing and look what happened to them they got their butt spanked they were a one-dimensional team and they had guys who's a heisman favorite and they said hey we're gonna run the ball we're gonna run the ball we're gonna run the ball and look what happened they got their butts spanked on the road it's spanked game start yeah on the road doesn't give you 30 points though I would agree. I would agree. Now, listen, the, I mean, it's if you're going to be one dimensional, and you're going to run the ball. That defense is too good, uh, too talented to be a one dimensional offense. And it's if it. Georgia can't find a way to pass the ball, it's going to it could be a long night for the dogs. I think Georgia's defense is better. I think if one back doesn't work, they're going to go to Sonny Michelle, who should play this week. And if he doesn't work, they're going to go to DeAndre Swift. They have options. And let me tell you one thing that they do do in this game, Aaron. They use the tight ends. Isaac Nauta, prime for where, a big yeah, game. That's my biggest question. They've I was about to ask, where are the tight ends? They've got to get the tight ends going. Give Jake Fromm that security blanket. Open up the run game just a little bit. I think Georgia's defense stymies Mississippi State's offense. I think Georgia wins this game like 27-17, to 23-14 type deal. I really, really do. I think Georgia takes care of business, and I'll say it right now, I think they cover the six and a half. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing they need to utilize the tight ends. And and that's the toughest thing for, for a young quarterback is being able to throw the ball over the middle of the field. A lot of coaches don't trust. They feel like the, the passes to the outside are a little easier. You have better vision. There's a lot of stuff going on in the middle of the field, but you got some talented tight ends and those guys can get you first downs. Not everything needs to be a home, a home run. Uh, and so Georgia needs to utilize those guys. That's why they brought them in. They're talented. They're, they're QB's best friend. When you're able to, you know, get those check downs to the tight ends and to the backs and just slowly move the chains and keep that Mississippi state off the field and keep your defense off the field. I think that's going to be a big, big key for the Georgia Bulldogs this weekend, but uh, I'm sorry. I'm actually going to be on the field. So I'm going to be cheering the dogs on and I hope I'm wrong. Which dogs? Uh, There's two dogs on the field. There are two dogs. I'll be cheering my dogs on the red and black this weekend. But I hope they prove me wrong. But I got Mississippi State win this game. I got them winning. Whoo! I'm going 27-17, Mississippi State. All right. Wow. That's yeah, a nice. I know. It's good. I, I hope I'm wrong. And I hope there. some. I hope some Georgia fans are booing me 
uh, come Saturday and all mad at me. Uh, it'll make me the happiest man in the world. Well, that's okay because if they do boo you, if people get mad at you, we can bring our next guest in for some backup. That's right. Coming up uh, right here in a couple seconds, Ben Jones is going to join us. He's our first guest this season on the Punt and Pass podcast. So let's fire up the interview and ask Ben what he thinks about this game and, and catch up with him and what's been going on lately. All right, we want to welcome in our first guest here on the Punt and Pass podcast, a very special guest, a good buddy of Aaron and mine. That would be our former center, Ben Jones, All-SEC center for the University of Georgia, now the current starting center for the Tennessee Titans. Ben, thanks for joining us. How are you doing, my man? I'm doing well. Hope you all doing well, too. Hey, we're doing great. Uh, Aaron, I just saw that we got some big news on the social media feeds just a few days ago. Ben, you got some big news to break. You can send it right here on the Punt and Pass podcast. What's going on with you and Alex? Well, we're going to have a little girl. So we're excited. We're going to have a little girl in March. Um, we just want to be just like Clint Bowling and add another girl to the whole group. Man, I feel bad for that girl. That's a uh... Ben Jones, country boy, going to be scaring off all the boys when she turns 13, 14. You, you, know, you and Clint must have done – I don't want to say you did something wrong because obviously your girls are going to be beautiful, but maybe um, some reparations for your actions in college. Would you agree with me on that, or what's the deal? Were you expecting a boy, or are you excited to have the girl talk to me? What are you talking about? Drell's an angel. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, yes. No, we're excited. Um, we want to have a lot of kids, so – I wanted a little bit of both, so I'm happy to have a girl, and we're excited, and um, hope she behaves like her mama. I would think that she does. Aaron, you just mentioned the picture that Ben and Alex posted on Instagram. I'm sure it got a bunch of likes, but Ben, you brought out some of your friends with you. You want to describe who your friends are now that you're going to have a baby girl? Yeah, um, my friends are Benelli and Beretta and Brownie, <laughs> so I'm going to have a lot of shotguns ready, so... If a boy comes over to my house, I'm just going to hand him a shotgun shell and they have to bring it home to me every night. My daughter better be happy when she comes home. That's great. Oh, man. I don't even listen, know what to think. You listen, my family, we had Josh, we had myself, but I think you kind of outdo us a little bit in that category. Josh is a, <laughs> Josh is a little crazy, but I don't think he's your crazy. <laughs> yeah, you have to be a certain type of crazy to uh, bring push Ben Jones to the limit, especially if you're going to be – uh, taking care of his daughter. All right, so Ben, big time congrats to you and Alex. Alex is awesome. We love her. But the reason we brought you on this week is because Georgia has a huge game between the hedges this Saturday. Mississippi State, the 17th ranked Mississippi State Bulldogs are coming into Athens. Georgia is now ranked 11th. They are both 3-0. and Mississippi State just beat up on LSU. It sounds like, and some of our listeners might not notice it, but you are from the South, specifically Alabama and West Alabama. What was it like growing up in West Alabama? Did you ever have um, any desire to go to Mississippi State and, and, and go to college in Starkville? Not at all. Um, growing up, I, I, was, I grew up in Alabama, but I was a dog fan my whole life. My dad went to Georgia, but I never even thought about really Mississippi State. If anything, I'd have probably went to Ole Miss before Mississippi State. I mean, I don't know why no one's giving Starkville love. I mean, there's just so much to do. Well, I could have stayed town. Bibb County. It's just like <laughs> Bibb County. Got a I lot of just like Bibb ant hills County. and cows. That's about it. You go cow tipping. You go shoot some stuff. That's about uh, all Starkville has to offer, I think. Ben, you like you like doing that kind of stuff, so I'm kind of surprised you came to the big city of Athens from Bibb County. 
Um, but you know what? Honestly, a lot of people are creating a lot of buzz around this game. What are your initial thoughts on this game? And I want you to tell our listeners what you think of Georgia's offensive line because that was the biggest question mark heading into this season. I think they're playing well. Um, they're protecting the quarterback, and they're able to run the ball. And that's the thing. we got two great backs um, there at Georgia, and that's what we all wanted to see this year is let them ride those two backs out for the game and let our younger quarterbacks make the plays when they have to. And I think that's what they've been doing. And that's why they're winning. And they just keep on doing what they're doing. I think they'll have a good year. What do you think about the whole QB situation right now at Georgia? Uh, we had word today that Eason is is back at practice. I don't know how much he's out there actually doing stuff. But uh, with two young QBs, I know I was a young QB when you are in there and and it was definitely great for me to have a veteran offensive line. Uh, what words of advice uh, do you kind of have for those guys about how to take control of a huddle when you're a freshman, when you're a sophomore, uh, and you got a bunch of older guys in the huddle around you? Um, I know when you were in the huddle, we knew that you were the most prepared quarterback in the league, and we respected you for that because how much time you put in the film room and extra time you put in. If you would have been a guy who didn't do that, we were probably not able to listen and gave you a little more grief, but we knew you put in the extra work and was always prepared. So if you had something to say, we'd let you say it. So that's how you earn your stripes with us starting out. Wow. High praise for Aaron Murray from Ben Jones. Sounds like you guys got a little love affair going on. Uh, listen, I, I paid him before the show started to say some good stuff about <laughs> hey, me. So I appreciate quarterback centers, they, we work really close together. We, we look very a lot close. of hands-on. Very I mean, hands-on. Very, very hands-on. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> So, Ben, what do you think? I mean, are you expecting Mississippi State to come in there and put together another dominant performance like they did last week at home against LSU, or is Georgia ready? Do you think this is probably Kirby Smart's biggest test since he's been the head coach at Georgia? I think it's definitely a big game. I'm, I'm glad it's at home, um, so we're able to get our crowd into it. And I trust our defense. I think we've got a lot of playmakers over there, and that's I think that's going to be the turning point of this game. Our defense is going to come out and play and get some key turnovers, and we're going to ride it out on offense and do it a whole physical game, kind of like what we did this week playing Jacksonville. The defense played well, and we ran the ball. So, Ben, I haven't looked at your schedule yet, but are you going to make it to any uh, Georgia games this season? Um, make it back to Athens? If I make it back, it's going to be after my Thursday night game. They play Kentucky. The other one is Georgia-Florida, and I'm going home, going hunting. Going home, going hunting, what Ben loves to do the most. Hey, you just mentioned y'all had a big, big win against Jacksonville this past weekend. That would be the Tennessee Titans. Y'all are 1-1 one one now, I believe, correct? How's everything going this season? How's the body feeling going into your fifth season, right? Sixth season? Sixth season. Wow. Um, it's, it's going good. Um, we had Oakland the first game. Um, they're a good team. Um, and that was a big thing week one. We didn't score in the red zone. We, hit, we took four trips and didn't get a touchdown in the red zone. So this week we converted. Our defense played well. We scored 31 points in the second half and ran the ball, I think, 35 times in the second half. So we had a little smash-mouth football going on, which I love as an offensive lineman. That must be pretty sweet. Hey, Aaron, uh, I wanted to ask Ben this. Did you see those Jaguar fans at the pregame uh, tailgate yesterday jumping into that pool full of mayo? It was like 95 degrees outside, and they were jumping yeah. into a pool I, I thought I saw Ben. I, th I thought I saw Ben out there jumping in with them at one point, kind of sucking it in. But, uh, yeah, I miss those days, Ben. I miss those days pregame warm-up, you walking around barefoot, raining, sunshine, whatever it was, just kind of doing your thing. So, I hope you still got the tradition rolling. Would you do that? Yeah, would, you, would you jump into some mayonnaise? 
Hey, it's always a price for, for five for five bucks. He would. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, hey, Ben, Ben Jones, Ben Jones, five bucks. He'll do anything. There's no question. There's no question. So Ben, we, we're excited to watch you um, continue dominance on the offensive line throughout this 2017 NFL season. But before we let you go, we're going to bring it back to this Mississippi State Georgia game one more time. You have somewhat of a history against Mississippi State. Uh, me, you, and Aaron all were on that 2010 Georgia team. Uh, it wasn't the best year for the Bulldogs, but it certainly laid a foundation for some success in the future. We traveled to Starkville. We played a night game. Dan Mullen was the head coach, and something happened late in the game. It got a bit chippy. Um, what was going through your head when maybe just before the whistle blew, it seemed like you tripped? Uh, maybe you didn't trip, but... It, it was it was a bit chippy game. You want to explain what happened on that one? Yeah, it's one of those games, and we had a thing in the offensive line room. You get the most knockdowns, most pins in a game. You look forward to that. You got your pitcher in the wall, and I try to win that award every week. And I think it was in darn cowbells that bothered my head that night. You know, I got some. I got I got a couple screws up there. It wasn't hitting them screws right in my brain. And I was chasing after the play, and I was like, might as well get another cut on this play. And I cut him like probably 15, 20 yards behind the play. I didn't know it was a rule. I can't cut behind the play that far. So I was just busting my tail. I, I'm going to play every play until the whistle blows. And what happened? Did you uh, did you get in trouble, a little slap on the wrist? Because I think the next week, were you suspended for the first half? I was. Uh, they, they got on to me. The SEC suspended me for the first half. And I did my punishment. And that was it. Hey, how can you? Well worth it. Yeah, Aaron, how can you punish an offensive lineman for having a high for motor? For doing his job. Yeah, high man, motor, hustle, play till the end of the whistle. Ben, you're just that kind of guy, and that's why we love you, brother. Yeah, I'm definitely not the most athletic, but I can definitely give you some effort. You got to make up for it somewhere, right, Aaron? Yeah, you got to make up for it. I remember, speaking of the most athletic, I think Cornelius Washington hit me in practice <laughs> one day. <laughs> it was, I got drilled. Because Coach Rick was, it would, you know, hey, Aaron's not sacked. And defense is like, you know, we're getting to the quarterback. Uh, so Cornelius decided to just knock me one time. And, and he's a pretty athletic guy now. And Ben decides to start chasing him around the entire football field. And when I yeah, tell I you, one of the funniest him. things I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> ben, ben Jones trying to run after a dude that runs a 4-4. Uh, it, was, it was one of the memories I'll always have of you. That's what, Hey, that's why you want Ben on your side, though. He'll never give up. So Ben... Uh, Hey, we just want to wish you the best of luck carrying on this season, and we appreciate you being our first guest right here on the Punt and Pass podcast. So thanks for joining us, and have a great week, my man. Appreciate it. Good talking to you all. See you, Ben. See you. Well, that was fun. Ben is a uh, special dude. Glad to call him a friend. I, I don't know if I'll ever meet another person like Ben Jones. Pretty cool. No, there's only it. one Ben Jones, man. He's a great <laughs> teammate right there. I couldn't. There's a handful of great teammates in my career, obviously you being one of them. Hey now, hey now. But, but Ben Jones, I have that guy under center, uh, is pretty special, man. That guy will fight for you uh, until he can't walk. And yeah. he had multiple games where he you know, could barely walk off the field. But he loves his teammates. He loves his quarterback. Uh, he loves playing the game of football. So I really appreciate him coming on the show this week. Yeah, that was really cool. Again, that was Ben Jones, current center for the Tennessee Titans, former All-SEC center for Georgia and big time congrats to him and his lovely wife Alex on having a baby girl on the way I'd probably guess Ben plays in the NFL for like 20 years the dude's just a glutton for punishment he loves it he can't get enough of it expect yeah, Ben to be sick, out on the field sick individual it's, 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 it's just crazy. a sick man it's 
oh, it's a disease and a gift to kind of just be punished week in week. Like we some big guys up front just running to each other nonstop. Gift and a curse. All right, so let's keep moving on. Our second game, a couple quick tidbits about this one. I, I, it's just this video that I saw, and I put it up on our Twitter, at Punt and Pass, and our Instagram is at Punt and Pass, and you can email us, puntandpass at gmail.com. Aaron, you're at AaronMurray11. I'm at DrewBeller13. Holler at us. We love the interaction. The, the video that I saw that went viral – of the te- of the Vanderbilt defensive lineman saying Bama you're next. I don't know what the hell this dude was smoking, what he was taking if he had sniffed the ammonia tablets too much, but come on dude. Number 1 Alabama coming to Vanderbilt is the 330 SEC on CBS game. Bama's an 18 and a half point favorite. There's no way this game's even close, is there Aaron? I, I don't think it uh, first of all there's no chance Vandy wins and and the guy <laughs> No There's chance. no chance. There's zero. I think especially it's after was, these we, we show you how to just, play SEC football, dude. Oh yeah, that's that's smart. On. The team that's won the, the most national championships in the past ten years, they, <laughs> I don't think they know how to play football at Alabama. They just, it's it's. Hopefully they figure it out soon. You know, hopefully they figure it out. But uh, the the tough thing, which we 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 were talking about earlier in the show, is playing in that stadium. You just cannot yeah. get any juice. Yeah. I don't think on either team. It, it literally, I had more people at my high school football games than what we had at Vanderbilt when we played there. It's just, you get there, it's small, it's quiet. It's like you're at practice and you're just like, man, you know, it's, it's hard to get the energy and that's, what's joke. tough playing there. It's, it's almost like that is their home field advantage is not having a crowd. Yeah, you're um, totally right. You're, you're totally it's a right. tough place. place. And, and people are saying like, oh, Vanderbilt's good now. They beat Kansas State. We, we mentioned it on the podcast last week, but Kansas State only scored seven points. Derek Mason with a defensive background. I mean, yeah, their defense is okay, but Bama, I mean, this there's Bama's going to cover the 18 and a half. They'll probably start sloppy, and then they're just going to roll. They're just going to beat them into submission. I mean, what's there even to say about this game except that what you see is what you're going to get. I don't know where this faux hype is coming from Vanderbilt, but my goodness. I mean, I guess we can't speak much as Georgia men because Vandy beat us last year, but Alabama is going to whoop Vanderbilt. They're going to force turnovers, and they're going to beat them on special teams, and they're just going to run the ball all day long. Am I wrong? Oh, no, not at all. I think the one thing that, that Vandy does have going for him is Alabama is a little banged up on the defensive side of the football. Uh, we talk about the depth of Alabama and how much, how deep they are. And they're two, three deep, but right now they're kind of vulnerable. They, they have a lot of injuries. Uh, Colorado state put a lot of points on the board versus them. And, and I know Mike Bobo's offense, is a little different than Vanderbilt's offense, but Kyle, Sher- Kyle Shermer, uh, the quarterback for Vandy uh, has had a solid year so far. has thrown a lot of touchdowns uh, and it's going to be on his shoulders right now. Uh, the run game has not been what I thought it would be for Vanderbilt. These first three games, uh, and I just don't see them being able to run the ball. I don't see them being able to throw the ball versus Alabama. Uh, and like you said, I think Alabama's offense is going to run all over this team. I think they're too big and too physical at the line of scrimmage. Uh, and I don't think Vanderbilt has the size uh, in their front seven to kind of hold up with a dominant run game. This dude, Shermer, the quarterback, has no idea what he's in for. The speed and the physicality, which I, I hate that word because I don't think it's a real word, but the speed and physicality of Alabama's defense is going to be like nothing that he's ever seen before. He's in for a long day. Oh, long day. So I, I feel bad, uh, but they kind of brought it on to themselves. I think the little the little quote last week uh, that they that they're being ready to put a whooping on Alabama. It's going to come back to haunt them. I'm sure those 
those newspaper clippings are going to be all over Alabama's <laughs> locker room. And I don't think they really need it, but you know, you, you're kind of poking the bear and I, mean, I don't know why you're poking the bear. What do you think his teammates said to him like Monday morning when they walk in and that went viral? Like, what the hell are you thinking? Like, why would you he ever... may be the most hated man in Nashville right now? <laughs> I mean, honestly, There's wanted it, posters of him all over the it, place. It, if somebody had said that and, and it's okay to be confident, but you don't, you say that inside the locker room, not outside the locker room, especially when you're no, vulnerable. you respect your co- when we played teams that we knew we were going to blow out. You still you praise your opponent. Hey, this team's great. They I mean they could be 0 and 8. Hey, man, they got yeah, a good yeah. run game. They got a good pass game. Man, they got this really good DB. I'm kind of worried about this week. The last thing you want to do is poke the bear. And, and for me, even as a quarterback, the last thing I ever did was trying to talk smack to a great defense. I mean, they're sending their quarterback up for failure, in my opinion. So did we'll you, see what happens. Did you? I'm, I'm, and I'm just asking this question. Did you ever lose to Vanderbilt? I don't think you did. Did you? Oh, I did my last year. You did. You? Oh, that's right. But you were. Were you hurt? No, but we had about five guys tear their ACL the day before the that's game before right. Tennessee. That's but no, what it was. The, it's the year we're winning. It's fourth down. They're driving. They're about the 30 yard line. The dumbest rule I've ever seen in college football, where Meek Wilson gets a head to head contact. 15-yard penalty gives them a first down on fourth oh, down. Oh, God, I remember this game. They go back, review it, not head-to-head. Rameek's allowed back into the game, but Vanderbilt still gets the 15-yard penalty. That makes no sense. So it makes no sense. So the next year they change it. You know, if, if it's not head-to-head contact, we're going to take back the 15 yards. But it might it, it costs us the game. They went down, scored a touchdown, I think tied it. Next position, we didn't score. They went down, scored, won the game. But we stopped them there, which we did. We run the ball. We run the clock out. Game over. We're out of Vanderbilt. Close win. Didn't cover the spread, but it's a win at the end of the day. Uh, so it's just a dumb rule. Got us that year, but should have been four now. Stupid. Referees suck. I mean, they just suck. I'm sorry, but that's just the facts. That is the hey, facts. You might get a fine for that. You can't be talking that's bad about okay. the referees. Hey, I'll pay it. I'll pay it. No worries, baby. I, I maintain my position. I'll double down on it. You can Refs take it. Or no the money you golf and, uh, and pay for your fine. <laughs> There you go. All right, so my pick's this. Bama whoops. Bama rolls. They cover 18 and a half. What about you? Oh, easy. They're going to roll. It's going to be a, ni- a long night for Vandy. Uh, it's going to be a fun night, though. It's definitely going to be a packed crowd. Oh, yeah. Nashville's so, a great town. It's in a while. Uh, I know my CBS crew is kind of pumped up. They're getting there on Thursday. Uh, go out there and see the town. They really don't cover many games. That three that three thirty CBS crew really does not cover a lot of games in Nashville, so they're kind of excited to get out there and uh, – Enjoy the country scene a little bit. Yeah, it'll be a good primer before that 7 p.m. kickoff on ESPN, which is, of course, that Mississippi State-Georgia game. All right, so the last game we're covering this week, a game you just were at, a crazy game, and we can kind of dive into that before we get into this one. But number 20, Florida travels north to play Kentucky. Another stadium that's not exactly easy to play in. Florida's offense gets woken up somehow. Um, last week at Tennessee, they win on a Hail Mary by Felipe Franks. I mean, just what was that like? What was that Hail Mary like in the booth? Because Nestler's call was awesome. He called it perfectly. It was, it well, was, I think really every cool. call Nestler makes is pretty amazing. No doubt. I mean, the, like I told, we talked about it. I got to start drinking some scotch and smoking some cigars so I could be just like him one day. Just call me when you're ready. Just call me yeah, when let's you're go. ready. Oh, if you're in the other room right now, yes. and I, got, I see some bottles behind you. So yes. let's get rolling. That is true. Yes. Um, I mean, it was, uh, it's such a bad first three quarters. I oh mean, a snoozer of a game, awful play calling. There's no trust in the quarterbacks. Uh, and finally, the fourth quarter, they start letting it rip a little bit. And then that Hail Mary, 
it, it was just amazing. Well, first off, Tennessee what, should have had what? the lead heading before that. The possession three before three missed field goals. Well, three missed field goals, but Tennessee down line. by three. They're oh driving, driving, and the running back drops the ball on the one yard line or catch it running in. They would have been up by four points. Instead, kick a field goal, and then obviously they held Mary in the place. Just a, uh, it was a pretty awesome thing to see. I mean, you hate it watching Florida win, but you love it watching watching Tennessee lose. So it was a, a lot of mixed emotions for me up in the booth. But it was an awesome game, awesome call by Nestler, like you said. But uh, I got Kentucky this week. Kentucky's been playing Ooh, well. You're uh, gonna take the points. So they Florida's surprised a two and a half point favorite in Lexington. They surprised me too. I thought South Carolina last week was gonna win. Well, they did lose uh, Debo Samuel. They, broken. They did lose here. Debo Samuel, who who's out for. He says five to six weeks, but I, I, I broke my leg and it's not that fast coming <laughs> yeah. back. So good luck. Yeah, he's good luck coming back in five weeks. But I mean, that guy is pretty, pretty dynamic. So that definitely helped Kentucky. But I think this Florida team still has no identity um, as a team, as an offense. I don't think their defense is playing great at the moment either. Uh, and well, maybe they got some confidence. Maybe they got some confidence in, in, in Felipe this week. I'm glad they finally let him play a full game to kind of see his ups, his downs and, and what he can do and give the kids some confidence and, and hopefully he goes out there and plays better uh, this week versus Kentucky. But uh, I like Kentucky. I like Benny Snell at running back. He's all been right. playing well all season. Uh, the run, the ball, Florida hasn't been able to stop the run too much in their first two games. So I got Kentucky uh, covering and, and playing well and winning this one. Yeah. I mean, I think one goal for Kentucky should be not to throw a pick six Florida's defensive backfield. Their secondary is, full of ball hawks they've got three pick sixes in only two games they had one again last week against tennessee these dudes are studs kentucky did surprise a lot of people winning in columbia south carolina last week if kentucky wins this game the sec east is going to be in shambles and when i say shambles i mean it is well you could have kentucky being if, if georgia loses you can have kentucky as the number one team in the east i mean what if, <laughs> that's that's just sounds. Let's wrap our mind around I that. It's just, in. It's absolutely it's mayhem in the East. You know, it's a competitive division, but probably not the co- type of competition that most people are used to. Um, and the SEC West isn't even that competitive either because Bama's just going to roll all the way to Atlanta. There's no doubt about it. But heading back to this game, Aaron, you you, you just said it. Florida still has zero identity on offense. Sure, Felipe Franks, he's the hail mary. They get out of Tennessee with a prayer and a win. Uh, but headed up to Kentucky, you've played there. It's not the easiest place to play. The grass is a little bit longer. Uh, the surface is a little bit slower and slicker. Now it's called Kroger Field, so that's probably just bad vibes heading in there, although I do love Kroger. Shout out, Kroger. Um, I, 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 You might have just talked me into it. You might have just talked me into the home team getting points. I think you just said it best. If, if Kentucky can limit the turnovers and not allow – Florida's defense to score points. Kentucky has a real shot to get out of here, win this game, send the SEC East in an absolute spiral, downward or upward. Who knows? But if my previous prediction stands and Georgia takes care of Mississippi State, I think it would be nice to sit above and have everybody beating up on each other. So you just said it. My three keys are this. Kentucky, do not let Florida get a pick six or points off a turnover manage the run game, and then stop the quarterback. Whoever's Florida quarterback is, do not let him get in a rhythm. And, Murray, you just did your job very well, a persuasive argument. I am taking the points 
also, I am picking Kentucky with the points. That's two and a half points for the home team. Florida, no offense. Do not let the defense score. And uh, it should be an interesting game up in Lexington. I, it's a, it's another great week in the SEC. People don't understand it, Aaron. When you watch that Tennessee game with the Tennessee fan, they're like ripping their hair out of their head. It's so fun to see fan bases, win or lose, react to SEC football on a Saturday. Oh, it's amazing. And it just shows you what football means uh, to people down the South. I mean, one of the guys in the CBS crew this past weekend went to Notre Dame and he's like, man, you SEC fans are crazy. <laughs> just crazy. He said, we like basketball. I mean, basketball is pretty cool up North, but uh, you guys take this to another level and it's fun, man. I love the competition. Quick, quick little question for you. Yeah, please. When was the last time Kentucky and Vanderbilt were both three and Oh, God, that's a great question. Um, off the top of my head, I don't know. I bet Tim Couch was the quarterback or something. So I'll say ninety-eight <laughs> or ninety-nine, or is it never? I I think it was two thousand eight, maybe seven eight. That it was recent? recently. I'm gonna let our viewers kind of do some research and yeah. kind of get back to us. Someone told me over the weekend, and and I kind of completely forgot. It just kind of popped in my head again right now. Uh, we'll see. Maybe we'll have a little prize for someone who answers the question first this week. A little signature, a little Aaron Murray. Well, yeah, a little some something. If you can go do a little homework and figure that question out because it's it's been a hot minute since yeah. those two have been three now. Let us know on social media at Punt and Pass, Twitter and Instagram, punt and pass at gmail.com. Aaron Murray could FaceTime you. Maybe he could uh, record your voicemail for you. Like, hey, this listen, is Stacy's phone. I'm Aaron Murray. He's not here right now. I'm the greatest quarterback in listen, SEC Listen, a little, little guest, special guest. little Thank special you. guest, our next <laughs> podcast, baby. Bring there him in. Go. There you go. Drop yeah. some knowledge. Hey, if you can find out this, that, you can drop some knowledge mm-hmm. on us next week uh, during our podcast. How about that? Yeah, that would be much appreciated. But, hey, I like our show this week. It was a lot of fun, a little bit looser. Um, and we have great games coming up in week four. I'm going to touch on one more thing about this Georgia game, Aaron, and, and, and tell me if I'm wrong. If George, And I got this. This is a hot tip from my buddy Joseph Thomas, who was a former Georgia football player and uh, student athlete. He told me this at the game. If Georgia's good, they'll probably beat Mississippi State, and if they're not that good, they'll probably lose. Isn't that the beauty of football? I mean, would you agree with that statement? If they're someone's going to win, someone's going to lose, baby. Exactly, exactly. That's that's exactly what it is, and that's exactly what's going to happen. So we'll watch that game with keen eyes. Aaron, you'll be down on the field. I'm sure some dog fans will be happy to see you. But, hey, this was a fun episode, and big shout-out to Ben Jones for coming on, right? Big man, baby. We appreciate it, Big Ben. Absolutely. So that's it for us this week, week four on the Punt and Pass podcast. We'll holler back at y'all next week. Again, holler at us on social media at Punt and Pass, Punt and Pass at gmail.com. Aaron's at Aaron Murray 11. I'm at Drew Butler 13. We appreciate y'all tuning in, and we'll catch you next week. See ya.